Hello, welcome to the Rock Show. It is Cinco de Mayo. Hey, it's a Mexican Independence Day. Um, si, si. And um, yeah, today's supposed it's a fake. It's, it's a not, fucking. It's not, it's not, it's not really. Day. It's, uh, it's, it's the day that the fucking Mexican army beat the French. Beat the French. And then three days later, the French came back and killed the kids, killed everybody, yeah. fucked their women, and fucked the whole Mexico for years to come before they got the real independence. So, happy Cinco de Mayo, you slapdick motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I shit on that holiday, we're, too. <laughs> we're starting off on a good note today. All right, so today, Mike, what's the topic? What are we talking about today? Okay, something I've been looking forward to for a while. It's, it's uh, the punk rock reggae connection. Okay, I'm going to talk about you know, reggae influence in, in punk and rock and roll and certain people uh, that were involved in, you know, pushing that kind of stuff. Um, I got my buddy Jerry here. Say hello, Jerry. Hey, what's up, everybody? Okay, and uh, we're going to talk about the Bad Brains also. So we got a lot to talk about today. This is going to be a long one. It's going to be nice. Okay, um, basically, you know, reggae music never really broke in the States early on. Okay, I mean, it, it, you know, rock guys were listening to it, uh, especially once Bob Marley came out with the two albums in, uh, in 73, Catch a Fire and Burning. Those two albums, a lot of people, everybody from Eric Clapton to Zeppelin to like, you know, uh, even the Grateful Dead, like a lot of other bands were starting to listen to reggae and, and you know, put it into their music a little bit. Yeah, well, I got a question. Did Bob Marley do the song Concrete Jungle? Yes. Yeah. That's like... One of the most fucking greatest songs ever. Yeah. I love that fucking song. Yeah. I mean, B Bob Marley's in the class by himself. You know, every song he has is great. Another group did it. They played a good, great tribute. I think it's been covered. They, played, yeah. they did it good, but they almost did it as good as Bob Marley, which was pretty Bob hard Marley. to do. Yeah, I hate to say it. Bob Marley did a great, a, a better job as Concrete Jungle. And as a matter of fact, uh, other bands like, uh, you know, as in my rights, Electors, mm -hmm. you know, all the specials, you yeah. know, influential in English. Yeah, the ska bands that came in the late 70s and stuff, all that, you know, was very influential. But one guy that uh, was really listening to reggae early on, probably before anybody really, as far as being a big rock star, was Keith Richards. Keith Richards? Yeah. He actually, uh, you know, bought a house in Jamaica like in 71, 72. He still has the house down there. And he was he was hanging out with a lot of these early reggae guys and uh, helping them. I mean, he had a, a studio in the house. He could record, okay, and uh, he was helping a lot of these bands un un under the scenes. No promotion, you know, it wasn't like he was promoting himself, but he just was like really into the music. He said it was like the new blues. That was a that was a quote that he you know had given, and um, <clears throat> even when the uh, you know like guys like Peter Tosh uh, signed to Rolling Stones Records, and uh, Peter Tosh signed, I think it was in '78. He signed the Bush Doctor album is on Rolling Stones Records. Oh shit! And he went he went on tour with them too yeah. briefly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there's one famous show that he did uh, in Roslyn, a place called My Father's Place, and uh, it was around 78, 79. And you know, the rumor was that you know Richards and Jagger were going to be at the show, and it caused like a, a riot practically. People were trying to get in there and everything. <laughs> <laughs> they, and they, they never showed up actually. But. Um, even even to this day, you know, you know, Keith Richards has always been a big proponent of reggae music, 
Uh, his solo albums have had, you know, uh, reggae-influenced stuff on it, or straight-up reggae. I mean, he recorded The Harder They Come, The Harder They Fall. Exactly. Uh, he worked with Toots oh and the Maytals. He did Pressure Drop. You know, he released them as singles, like in the late 70s, you know. <laughs> but uh, one guy that I really want to talk about, a uh, British guy, uh, his name is Don Letts. Don Letts was born in 1956 in London to Jamaican immigrant parents, and he was a you know regular guy growing up you know poor basically in, in England and um, trying to find himself. And he got very interested in music. Um, I think his father was also involved with you know very early Jamaican music and stuff like that. Yeah, he was involved in a lot of stuff. Music. Yeah, yeah, All like right. the, the 60s and stuff, the, the original ska music. The original yeah. ska, like yeah. Bob Marley was. Early, mm -hmm. Right, the right, time. the early whalers and the all whalers, that stuff. Exactly. Right, right. But uh, Don Letts uh, was a DJ, okay, and he had ran a store in London called uh, Acme Attractions, okay. And what they specialized in was like off-the-wall kind of clothes. Uh, zoot suits and like he also oh sold God. jukeboxes and like all kinds of stuff and it was a, it was a play it was a cool place it was a fun place fun to place to go and yeah. guys like uh, Mick Jones from the Clash and Johnny Rotten and stuff would hang out there. You want to hear something? Yeah. He did a few of the um, early um, Clash video. Oh yeah, he was like doing yeah. the video. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And he he was also one of the first. Uh, he was like the first of the generation of British-born black. Which well, one black guy right, that right, went black into immigrants. the black immigrant that yeah. were there, and but he took the Jamaica culture into the inner city. He did. The Jamaica culture wasn't even well, he like in, took in, it and brought it. In, in those days, a lot of Jamaicans were kind of living in an area called Brixton, okay, outside of London. And, yeah. And uh, you know, that's why you have that song "Guns at Brixton," you know, yeah. from the Clash. And uh, what Let's did was when he he had his store and. There was a club nearby called the Roxy, and the guy who ran the Roxy saw what was happening around Don Letts' store. You know, you got all these cool kids hanging out, and their punk was just starting. Some of these bands were just forming, like The Clash and stuff, and uh, basically um, they, they needed a place to play. So the Roxy became a place for these bands to play, and, and Don became the, the head DJ there. And, you know, I mean, he, he spun the, the punk singles as they came out. But what he did constantly was just play uh, reggae and dub, okay, dub music. Dub and music. just, just you know, turned, turned all these kids onto it. Uh, some were already into it. Guys like Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rotten, you know, he uh, was a big reggae guy from the beginning. But, you know, basically the, the punks in the U.K. Uh, embraced that whole thing more than... Punks from America did. Yeah. You know. Um, but there's exceptions to that. We'll talk about that after. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, one thing that, that uh, Let's did that was, uh, I think, great is is he wanted to document what was going on with this scene. And he basically grabbed a Super 8 camera, okay, very primitive, and documented what was going on in this punk scene. And it eventually became a movie called The Punk Rock Movie. Now, Many of us have probably seen it. If you haven't, I know you can watch it on YouTube. Um, uh, one of the camera people of that film, uh, it goes uncredited actually, is, is Chrissy Hine from The oh. Pretenders. Yeah. She was working with Don Letts. Wow. And she didn't get credited, but she's actually involved with yeah, the making Chrissy of that movie. Huh. You know. And, and those scenes in that movie are always shown over and over in documentaries. That's like the, 
you know the chron chronological you know, thing of, of 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 what went on. You see those pictures of like the Sex Pistols playing and the Clash early on. That's all stuff that Don Letts filmed. Yeah. You know, and I mean, eventually he would go on to make videos, uh, and he was you know the DJ thing he's done to this day. He still does. Uh, look him up. He's a very interesting dude. Yeah, I looked him up and I found out a lot of uh, good information that I, I didn't know, and I was like pretty fascinated by the yeah. guy from from being a DJ, from uh, uh, a guy that did a uh, film, mm -hmm. to even becoming a musician with his yeah. own band. He had a band called uh, Big Audio Dynamite. Yeah, when the, when the Clash when the Clash broke up, Mick Jones, uh, well, when he he actually he left the Clash first. So when he left the Clash. Uh, he started Big Audio Dynamite, and Don Letts was a big part of that band. He was the guy with the long dreadlocks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what was it? And then he started, like, another band called um, Screaming Target. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was I mean, that any good? Uh, they were okay. They were okay. I, I, I didn't listen to them too much, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, you know, his music stuff, I can kind of, like, take or leave. You know, but when it comes to, like, the, you know, when he's talking about reggae music and everything, and he's playing the records, then I pay attention. All right. So what else you got for us, guys? Oh, well, plenty. Um, uh, Let's went to Jamaica in 1978 with, with Johnny Rotten. Uh, when when the Sex Pistols broke up, Rotten was still signed to Virgin Records, and, and Virgin was deciding to put out uh, a new label, a subdivision of Virgin called Frontline Records. And um, he, they sent Rotten down there to Jamaica to sign these new acts that were popping up all over the place in Jamaica in the late 70s. And uh, instead of staying for a month, which was the plan, they stayed for six months. And funny little story with it is like, you know, Rotten asked Don Letts to go because he figured, I've got a Jamaican guy with me, it'll be, you know, it'll be cool. And uh, <laughs> the little did Rotten know that Letts had never even been to Jamaica before. <laughs> he grew up in England, so he had never actually been there. But uh, they went down there together and, and signed all these bands to the Frontline Records. Uh, I, I, I credit Rotten, you know, single-handedly for starting that whole early 80s, late 70s reggae scene in England. Because he signed a lot of those bands. I mean, there's, uh, you know, like I said, the Twinkle Brothers, we were talking about that before. Um, so many other, U-Roy, uh, um all these like famous bands that were on that label, he signed. He he made it happen and exposed the you know the the rest of the world to what was going on down in Jamaica. You know, um, so it was a wonderful period of time, right? Because uh, it was a great period of time, right? Yeah. Oh, come on, we had Don, we had Don over here. Uh huh. And Well. Yeah, well, he was like a teacher. Yeah. Okay, you know, he taught these kids what real, was cool. He you was know? everything, you know. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, from punk rock, from ska. Yeah. You know, he played all this, like, wonderful music on live mm -hmm. English uh, radio stations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was, and he was, you know, he was well, well respected. I really you know? respect that, yeah. Definitely, he did, he definitely. Up to that. He actually managed the slits. For a little while too, he he, he had he had kind of stopped DJing and managed the Slits, uh, which were a, 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 a great girl band, um, kind of like there's really no music, nothing that sounds like them. I don't know if you've ever heard them, 
I think the, the song of the day I did the other day was uh, their version of I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Yeah. Okay, and just that, it had that heavy bass sound that obviously was influenced by reggae, and, and uh, but, you know, with, with like a punk edge to it, and, you know, he managed them for a little while. That was pretty fucking good. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, that, uh, that version. version. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, shit, I was jamming. <laughs> Yes, of them in the uh, the jungle, yeah, jungle album. album. Yep, yep, yep. Half naked, or yeah, all practically uh, all naked. All naked. <laughs> that's what I'm talking that's about. Well, that's girl power. Yeah. Good girl power. It's a girl power. Right. Yes, yes. So, um, like I was saying, you know, reggae was really big in the UK at that point, but in America, it really hadn't crossed over that much. You know, when 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 Bob Marley came to the states. He was playing to some of the clubs. He played Max's, okay, and he, he played uh, some other. Uh, Max's Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> he played the Beacon. Uh, there's a great. If you want to listen to it, there's a great show that was recorded at the Beacon in '76. I posted it on my Facebook today, uh, but it's on YouTube. The Beacon in '76. Great show. Great show. It's like Bob Marley. Bob Marley, yeah. Bob Marley. And um, but he was playing mostly to white audiences. Uh, it hadn't really crossed over into um, American black audiences yet. Um, Imagine you going there, like, especially in those times, like that early 70s, fucking black yeah, man is fucking playing music. Like this. And the yeah, thing is, and the thing is sold out. It's the same thing like the Hendrick effect. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely as important, if more important than Hendrix, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm not trying to put down Hendrix, but Bob Marley was almost like a prophet, you know. You know what, we want to talk about, I got a little conspiracy of Bob Marley, the whole cancer shit. Supposedly he, got, he died from, he got cancer and he got in the toe. And it was a CIA agent. I think it was, uh, we'll get into that. Yeah, we have to talk about that on the Conspiracy 420 podcast. he was a very, like, he, yeah, he was yeah. like a... He was like the godfather of well, Reagan. Like, well, I mean, you can make an argument that the powers that be may not have wanted somebody him like him to be so powerful. But he wasn't interested in power. No, he, he was. was he was interested thing. in just you know spreading the spreading the word of Rastafari and and that was it. But that was scary. Maybe that it mean, scared some that people. That means you're bringing in power to talk about drugs, so you go into a whole different yeah, philosophy yeah, about yeah, the shit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, now we're going to get to uh, the uh, the main crux of what we were going to talk about today, and that's the bad brains. But, well, uh, so yeah. punk and reggae had like a very big influence in the UK, and that yeah. was before. Like, the punk was big here, but the UK, the whole punk scene and the uh, reggae scene was a, little, was a little bigger than, the, than it was here in the yes, States. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it never, you know, the reggae acts, reggae music didn't really register with the punks here early on, okay? The first generation of punks, you know, the Ramones and, and all those other bands, they, they weren't listening to reggae music. Well, if they were, they weren't putting it in their music, you know. Uh, I know guys like uh, Lenny Kay, who was in Patty's guitars and Patty Smith's band. I know he liked reggae. Patty Smith liked reggae, yeah. but she didn't really put it in her music. Speaking of Patty Smith, she had two sold-out shows at the new Webster Hall venue. Yeah. Both of them yeah. sold out. I was yeah. shocked. It sold out quick. Yeah, I want to get over there because I want to see what they did. They, you know, they renovated the place. Yeah, you know. But um, the, the the second kind of second generation of punk in the United States accepted reggae a little more. 
And that's because of the bad brains. All right. Um, you know, the Bad Brains are probably one of the most important American bands ever, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they formed in 1977, but they weren't a punk yeah, band at that point. Yeah. They weren't a punk band. Okay, they were a band called, they actually, they weren't called the Bad Brains yet. They were called Mind Power. And Mind Power was kind of like a, 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 a funk, uh, jazz fusion type thing. They were interested in that music. And... What happened was, uh, if you remember HR, okay, who eventually became the singer of the Bad Brains, he wasn't the original singer. There was a guy named Sid McRae. Sid McRae, yeah. Right, right, right. And Sid, one day uh, during practice, brought to the, to the practice a couple of records. One was Ramones, one was a Sex Pistols album, uh, one or two other punk bands. And he started playing them for everybody, and they were blown away. You know, I think it was Dr. No, the guitarist, he said, basically, uh, when I heard the Sex Pistols, I knew I wanted yeah. to do punk rock. So, you know. Let me tell you, so the lineup that I had here was HR, right. Dr. No, Darren Jennifer, and Erwin Hudson. Earl Hudson. Earl Hudson. Earl Hudson, yeah. And then they got other members, Sip McKay, um... Yeah. I think of Mickey Jackson. Yeah, Mickey Jackson. Yeah. Uh, a uh, Tyrus Singleton, a Chuck Mosey, and a, a, a Ezekiel Joseph. Yeah, and Chuck, Israel Joseph. Israel Joseph. Yeah. And um, Chuck um, Tree. Yeah, I mean, they've had, they've had different lineups over the years because of a lot of infighting in the band. H.R. wasn't the original singer. It was Sid McRae. Yeah. Okay, and they had like a two-guitar thing going. H.R. was playing guitar. So why but, did they put H.R. as the group, one of the main guys in the well, group? Well, he is the main. He was the main singer okay. of the group. Sid left. Once they got into punk, Playing it, Sid left the band. I'm not really sure why, but uh, HR stepped forward as the front man. So now, now you had that classic lineup of HR singing, Doctor No on guitar, Daryl Jennifer on bass, and Earl, who Earl Hudson, who was HR's brother. HR's real name is Paul Hudson. You know what's so funny? What? All these guys got white name, but were they all black? Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, you know <laughs> HR was HR was HR was uh, half Jamaican. His mother was Jamaican. I just had to, I just got to turn a out that we're all black. Yeah, or no, you look at all these names, you're like a lot of holy well, shit. A lot of Caribbean blacks have names like that. It's normal. Yeah, you know, it's normal. just that's how they are. And they're influenced from, I guess, British names and things guess, like that. I guess Jamaica so. was a Brit, Brit, British colony for a long time. Um, but when they heard. You know, punk. They said, "Okay, fuck this jazz fusion stuff. We're we're going punk." Okay, and that's what they did. Um, they were from DC, and basically, I mean, they they took it the punk rock to another level. They created hardcore, pretty much. Oh my god! Don't you think? Don't you think? I mean, you know, what in '79 they really, you know, hardcore was just starting. But I mean, the Bad Brains took it to a different level. I mean, they played so fast. Right, Jerry? I, I agree. You know, like, you know, 1980s, you know, um, uh, I remember when Atar hit, hit the stage on CBGB's. Yeah, now, uh, you know, one, one of the reasons I wanted you on the show today is, is you know, you, you actually, now I saw them back in the day, but you got a couple of years on me, so you, you saw them very early on. I mean, what was it like when Atar hit the stage? I mean, because I... The, the stuff that I saw was amazing, but you saw it in a smaller venue. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, I saw, as a matter of fact, 
when I first saw uh, Evaporate at CBGB's, uh, I was like, where did these guys come with this energy? You know? Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, who is this guy up there? Right. What he's trying to prove? And I was very young and naive at the very time. I was in high school, by the way. Yeah. I remember just like coming down on that six train. Yeah. Getting off Bleecker Street and walking down to CBGB's yeah. and, and go to see a hardcore show for, for like five dollars. Yeah, they were cheap. And it was very cheap. And I was like, man, you know, what am I getting myself involved in here? Right. You know? Right. Who are these guys? You know, that was the first thing in my and, mind. And, you know? and, and and they would, you know, they would different. Wait up. Yeah. I'm gonna ask the question that nobody will ask. Good. So when you heard these guys on the radio, do you think they were white guys, or do you think they were black guys? Early, people er, think early on, I think people didn't know they were black, okay? Especially when it was like outside the, the New York City area. If they went to play other cities, you know, they would show up. Like, I know they had problems down in the South. Oh, when, the they were, when they would, you know, in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, even, uh, you know, a black punk band, you know, they, uh, they uh, were, you know, it was just not going to happen. You know, the, the authorities would go crazy just for a regular punk band, let, yeah. alone, let alone a black punk band. Uh, and they did have issues with that. To me, it's like, who the end the bullfish? I didn't know the fucking guy was black until I saw Well, that guy that. sounds black. <laughs> I <laughs> thought it was a white dude. Yeah, I'm yeah, thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. who the fuck? Well, what I mean, kind of black guy sings like that? I, I, I mean, I think I'm more black than Hootie. And, <laughs> and, and, and so Hootie, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? What's the singer? <laughs> golf, golf playing motherfucker. <laughs> you, see, you, know. you see, I mean, I'm like, me and Mike were talking about earlier. What got me influenced, you know, in the black music is that not because I grew up in a very poor middle class family. You know, I came from a very poor and middle class family afterwards. And and I was a kid, I was going around, I was already influenced by uh, music from my from very young at early age. Yeah. And, but when I when it, like I said earlier, when I got to see Bad Brains, I was like Really blown, blown away. away. I think everybody was hey, when they hey, first saw You know, I didn't know what to do, so what I did was I dived off the stage. Did you? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah <laughs> that's what you did. That's what you did at the hardcore shows. Am I right or wrong? You yeah. know, I said, HR jumped up in the air, I jump up in the air. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I saw, I saw, HR, I saw HR, I saw HR one time at the, the 1018 club. It, you know, this, this was like, <laughs> oh, maybe I like, fucking love 1018. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is like 86, maybe or so, and you know, he did a he did a backflip at the end of the song, and he came down right when the song ended. Boom. Okay, and it was like perfect timing. And I'm like, everybody was just screaming; they were insane. You know, and not to mention people diving off the stage. You know, all that stuff. Um, you know, they, they would they would like I said, they were taking everything to like a totally different level. They they were talking about Rastafari philosophy in their songs. And you know, it was deep. It was deep lyrics. It wasn't like, you know, Black Flag singing about TV party, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I love Black Flag, okay. But this was the, their lyrics were like to, at a totally different level. And then, um, you know, they had gotten interested. They, at first, they weren't Rastas, uh, which is very interesting. They, they, what what made them become Rastas? They already had the band. They were playing punk, okay. But they went to see Bob Marley. And I think it was about 1979, so it was probably towards the end of, yeah. of Bob Marley's career. And um, uh, they were blown away. And they knew something. I think I read somewhere that HR had like a spiritual moment at the show. 
you know, yeah, it's like going to an ashram, you know. You uh-huh. know that's yeah. what happened with him, you know. Uh, you know, his life, his whole life changed. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I know, I'll be honest with you, like in the early 80s, in the Avenue A, yeah. we all hanged out because we had H7. Yeah, well, they're right. I, I don't want to go, uh, we can talk about that later if you like. But, you know, um, I got into a fight with HR in the really? middle of the street. Yeah. Really? Over yeah. what? Over nothing. It was just that he was, he was fucking It was gone. crazy. It was he crazy. was crazy. Yeah. And we, we were fighting. We were on the floor. We were stumbling on the floor. Really? And, and then after a while, we were just cracking up. Oh, okay. So, so we was fucking around. Good friends, yeah. You know? Yeah, well. But that's one of, that's, uh, you know, that's a long story, you know. But, but, but you know, A7, um, now it's called Niagara. A7 uh, was, a, was a spot. It was a mecca for the hardcore bands. And uh, the bad brains were part of that. I, I one thing, one of the biggest regrets I have is, I, I, if I had been maybe three or four years older, I would have gotten to see them at A7. But unfortunately, I was a little too young. I saw them late. You know, during the when they made um, the Eye Against Eye album, that was like came out in like '86. That's when I got oh to see them. Oh my God, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree with you. '86 you know, you know, great, great moment. But, you know, when they, when they started out in D.C., like I was saying, mm-hmm. and um, they somehow got banned from D.C. They couldn't play no more. You know, All right? why, you know why they got banned, right? Well, go ahead, tell it. I know no, the story. No, 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 no. I mean, you, got, like, I don't, I, I, you probably know. Why the they got banned? I want to know why. No, no, because one of their labels, like if you look at it, right, it's a, a Washington, D.C. monument with a lightning bolt right. on the top. They were using they were using the 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 Capitol build like my shirt I got the shirt on. See? Oh yeah, there okay. You go. There yeah, they they use this as a symbol, so they got banned in D.C. Okay, supposedly I heard it was for also violence at shows and things like that, but uh, they ended up moving up to New York and they stayed with um, with um, uh, Holly Flanagan, okay, oh, the, the Stimulators oh, later yeah. of the Cro-Mags, and. Uh, you know, he introduced them all around to everybody. There was a, you know, a hardcore scene going on. And yeah, they, they Flanagan, you believe that from the, stim- you know, he was... He was like 12 years old. He was like a youngest kid yeah. in the scene. Yeah. In the hardcore scene, you know. He, he was, was a kid. <laughs> he played drums. You couldn't you couldn't even see him behind the kid. He was so small. You know? Yeah, yeah. he looked he looked great. He reminded me of me when I was younger. Yeah, well, you play drums. You play drums. Yeah. So you see this guy... Played the drum and you couldn't even see him. You're like, what the nah. fuck is a ghost? He's, yeah. he's in the background, like a yeah. little kid with the sticks is flying up yeah. and down. You know? But you know, he befriended the uh, the bad brain. So did jo- uh, John Joseph from the Crow Mags. Also, they all hung out um, over at uh, was it 171? 171. 171 yeah. Avenue A was a recording studio. Yeah, they did demos list. there. They recorded there. They were living there. I mean, oh it, was like God, a, it was like a. It was like a. More than just a hangout, it was like a commune, basically, right? I mean, everybody yeah. was kind of living there, everybody was in and out, out, cooking. Oh, I hate to tell you this, you know, the Beastie Boys. Yeah, the Beastie have a Boys, lot of too. Absolutely. The Beastie Boys friended Adam, the Bad Brains, Adam, too. Adam, Adam was a very good friend of mine. And yeah. He was in my community. And me and Adam used to skateboard down the Avenue A, and we used to hang out with fucking, you know, HR, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Gustavo from Murphy's Law. Right. You know, these are things that we, you know, people don't talk about, but historically, you know, this is how... It's all all history of the city, you know, and a history of the Lower East Side. 1982, okay, they finally, you know, after a couple of demos and and rough patches, they finally got a record out. Okay, it's on the Raw label. Remember the cassette only? Yeah. The Raw album cover? Yeah. Yeah. 
Raw, for people that don't know, was a label. It, it stood out. It stood for uh, Reach Out International Records, and it, they used to put out uh, underground bands on cassette only. Okay, so I can remember going into Tower Tower Records over on West Fourth, oh, yeah. and you would see the Raw section. Okay, the R O I R Records section, <laughs> and it was just cassettes. I mean, and, and all, all this shit was great, you know, and, and and I remember they had, like, Johnny Thunder's Stations of the Cross, that was on that label, and then you had, you know, this Bad Brains record, and then the, right there on the cover, Capitol Building getting getting hit by lightning, and I remember seeing that as a kid going, like, that's so fucking cool, okay, cool, yeah. and I remember, I must have bought that three times on cassette, I burned out every one of them, just broke them, you know, complaining too many times, but... That came out in 82, and they started to get noticed. They're starting to play more gigs, uh, CBs, uh, all the other, uh, A7, um, Rock Hotel, right? Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, Street, on Jane Street, Street. That was yeah. that was another spot that they played all the time. I tell you, like, uh, uh, is it okay? Can I tell yeah, I can tell it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember, like, in uh, Jane Street, you know, it was like, uh, it was like, we went from, like, CBGB's, A7. Right. And then after A7, real late night, around 11.30, we went to Chain Street, and all the boys were working there. Uh, Ray Bees was working at the door. Yeah. So we all we all snuck in. We all had the, we had the Cro-Mags, right? Right. Bad Brain. Right. <laughs> wow. Just, to, just to, to think of them playing on the same bill is like, whoa. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was one of yeah. the best times of my life. I had that's to tell cool. You this. That's cool. No, I mean, you know, I, seeing the bad brains in a big, big venue. Yeah, like that. I mean, that's. I mean, I could talk other venues, but this venue was like the Rock Hotel. Yeah, it was nobody that actual, talks about it. Yeah, it's kind I of forgotten. I, I remember the place. Um, I don't know why it's not mentioned that much. A lot of bands. I mean, when, most of the bands played well, on the east side. That's where sex and drugs and rock and roll started. And Rock Hotel was like a sex. Uh, they had a one section up in the in the balcony. People were doing crazy stuff, you know. Some wow. of them were doing crack. Some other were getting a, a, B, a BJ, and the other were, I hate to tell you this, I shouldn't say this on, uh, on the radio, but they were doing a lot of crazy shit. Uh huh. They were right? doing drugs they were and fucking. Yeah, there was fucking going on. It was everything. everything. Yeah. It was a rock hotel. It was the the master hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what, one thing that happened when the, when that cassette came out was it, it got the attention of uh, quite a few big shots. One was Rick Ocasek oh, from, from the Cause. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and he became a, a big fan of the band and decided to produce an album for them, which became their second album called Rock for Life. Now, Rock for Light's a masterpiece, as far as I'm concerned. It's it, it's a lot of the same songs from the from the from the cassette, from the Raw album, and they did them over. Some people were critical of that, like, oh, they got to write some new songs, but it didn't matter. It was they were on a major label, and they were going to be all over the place. Raw was a, a smaller label that wasn't everywhere. Okay. Oh my God. Later on, we can but, get onto some really heavy shit. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I I really want to touch base on. How Daryl felt about being on that, being on that, and yeah. he was like complaining to him. Remember? I don't know if you ever saw the footage, the, the, the documentary about that. Like, Yo, HR, how can you do this, man? How can you just go to this level? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like blown away, and I don't know if it was an act or if it was real, but I believe it was real because these guys don't fuck around. Mm -hmm. 
you know. Yeah. And, and, and they really, they really, they really set off the edge and say, you know, hey, why, why HR? Why are you gonna sell out? You know, like this. Yeah, I, I mean, no, HR it, was not. I don't think he was leaning towards that that direction. Not at all. I, you know, and he deserved what he wanted to do. I, yeah, I mean, look. On, why man. do you why do you why do you start a band? To begin with, you yeah. want you want to make it, right? You want to make it. Yeah, you okay. want to make it. You don't now, start a band. you don't want to you don't want to be. I mean, you want to be big. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to sell out your principles. Okay, that's always a problem. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. many years. You, you know, know I saw bands like fall down and. But and you, do you know what the problem is? People are not saying now. They want to get the music out there. The reason you start a band is you want you start small, you get a small little buzz. Right? right. Then the buzz grows to other people. Have you heard these guys? These guys, and then finally you get signed to the big record label. It's not setting now. Is that you? You try and get a bigger audience. You yeah. try and get your music to a bigger market. It's not selling now. People say sell out because those are the people that are not making. that can't get the right because they, yeah. they can't get and they're haters and they don't want the other people right, to they're success. Jealous they're jealous. jealous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but you know, some people think that if you if you do make it, that means you sold out. No, that doesn't. No. It doesn't mean that. Okay. Uh, you're just lucky. Yeah, <laughs> you're just lucky. You no, know, you're lucky, and you know, like uh, so. So that we're going back to the HR, you know, thing, you know, where yeah. you know he sold out. We're, come on, HR didn't sell out. No, it, HR it, HR is a guy to this day you could never say is a sellout at all. He's a guy who does his own thing when he wants, what he wants. It's, but you it's know not, how the audience are people. Yeah, are well, people are haters. Like the hundred or the hundred out of hundred. 50 were like you and the rest of the well, 50 fuck them. Fuck them. I mean, you know, look, you know? They, they, were, they were a punk rock band. They, they were rosters. They were just total on the edge of everything, okay? And if you're going to be like that, you can't let, like, a couple little assholes bother you because they're saying that you're selling out, okay? Sorry. It's, that's not, you, you, you know, what are you there for, you know? You know what's yeah. my philosophy? Hate is great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you hate me. I don't give a rat's ass. I'm still gonna go home and sleep like a baby. Yeah, well, I have a question, Mike. Yeah. How do, you, how do you feel? How do you guys feel about HR being, you know, uh, you know, with me it's okay, you know. But being HR, what? The fact that HR went solo, solo HR, and his albums. His H. You know, well, like look, I mean, the the the, there was a lot of there was a lot of infighting in the band. There was range. bad blood. That's okay. Why. Um, everything from Darryl, you know the, the, the right the direction right. that the band was gonna go. They didn't always agree on it. Um, there was a lot of fighting. Yeah, I mean, I think there was some partying going on, some major partying that I think affected the way they were thinking. Um, but as far as HR going solo, that's that's great. I mean, he was doing his own thing. He had his own message beyond what the Bad Brains were doing. I mean, you remember when he he well in eighty in eighty well I got to mention in eighty six was that's when they came out with Eye Against Eye, and that album was on SST Records and that. Blew it open for them. This is in 1988. 86. 86. 86. It came out right, and I remember that. Yeah, I mean, and that's when I got to see them for the first time, and they were amazing, amazing. But HR was a you know a guy that you you weren't going to hold him down. He was going to do what he wanted to do, and he did have his own side projects like you know Human Rights. I saw them once at CBGBs. Um, you know, and that was a totally different thing. You know, and, and as he got older, he got more into reggae, just doing reggae, and wanted to get away from some of the heavy stuff. Now, when you see him now, 
he's an older guy. He doesn't do any of the heavy stuff anymore. He, he just does reggae music, and which is what his albums are. But it's reggae music with like an edge to it, oh you God. know, H-Hop as only H.R. could do. Beautiful know? stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, I mean, like he's a he's like a. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen him. Uh, I've seen him like about. Yeah, me too. I've seen him about four times in the last three years. You know, something like that, and it's amazing. You know. But when Eye Against Eye came out, that's when uh, they, they, you know, MTV was starting to pick up on him a little bit. There was there was a couple of videos. Um, remember the song Sacred Love? Yeah. Right. Did you ever hear the story with that? No. Okay. HR was down in, uh, they had recorded the album and everything, and HR was down in, I think, in D.C., and he gets busted for weed. <laughs> okay? So he goes down to the county jail, they lock him up, and they had just, they, they had to do one song left on Eye Against Eye, and it was the song Sacred Love. Yeah. And they had the music down, but they didn't have the vocals down. HR's in jail, so how are you going to fucking do it? it? You call the motherfucker. Okay, now when you listen to the song, it sounds like it's muffled. And I always thought that that was an intentional thing. But then when I found out, <laughs> they actually they, 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 they got him to make a phone call from jail and sing it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. true. Yeah. Holy so shit. He, he sang the lyric. Yeah, you can no, hear the you echo. You can hear the echo in the background. Yeah, it sounds like he's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sacred love, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm picking that as the song of the week. Oh, Sacred Love. Sacred Love, song of the week, and, and, and Eye Against Eye is like an album that everybody should own. Um, but, uh, you know, what happened with this band is it seems like whenever they had elements of success happening, that's when the fighting would begin. Okay, so HR leaves the band. Okay, it's their biggest album, but HR leaves the band. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> who took over for him? After oh, he, uh, uh, they had a couple of different different uh, guys of coming band. in. Um, it was just not the same. It was not the same. Yeah, they actually took a hiatus pretty much at that point, and and that was in '86. But then in '88, they came back and recorded Quickness, which was a big hit. That album. What was the line that was uh, HR? It back was an HR came back, yeah, and uh, back. if you remember, they had that song Soulcraft. Yeah, man. Okay, so and and I don't know if you remember the video, but like, they're all wearing flannels. <laughs> this is like this is like three years before grunge. Yeah. Okay, when everyone started wearing flannels, but like, we, I remember looking at these guys, and he had like you know H.R. had the blue flannel shirt, just screaming at the camera. And it was on MTV. They're playing this, and uh, I wanted to buy one of the shirts. Could not find that no. shirt. You couldn't find I those flannel shirts anywhere. Now you got Kmart or Target. <laughs> was, no, no, it's not that you couldn't. It was sold out because everybody was oh. so into what was going on in that video. Oh, they they wanted to wear the same thing, you know. Um, Soulcraft was was uh, you know a, a pretty big hit on MTV. Had a heavy rotation, but again, whenever they have success, something there's, happens. HR yeah. leaves again. Okay. 1990, they get Chuck Mosley, which was the original singer from Faith No More. Yeah. Okay, as uh, as their singer, and yeah. uh, he recently passed away, I think. Right. He passed away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, that was from like 90 to like 91, 92, something like that. He was in the band, and then they ended up getting another guy named uh, 
uh, Joseph Israel, okay? And he was a young guy, young Rasta guy, uh, big Bad Brains fan, and he basically sounded like H.R., you know? And uh, he even said, he's like, I'm just doing it the way H.R. would do it, you know, because he was such a fan. And they recorded an album with him. It's the only Bad Brains album without H.R., HR. okay? It's called Rise. And it's a pretty good album. You know, it actually did halfway decently. Um, but that would only last about a year, year and a half. And HR wanted to come back. So you know, Israel was gone. And, he, you know, he stayed friends with the band. He's even friends with HR. You know, they have no problems with each other. 19, uh, 1995, they get a chance to sign on to a major label. Maverick Records. Oh, Maverick, yeah, that's a Maverick was Madonna's label. Yeah. Madonna's label. So they recorded the album God of Love, which is another, you know, pretty good album. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, they made another video. It was getting played on MTV. Um, I remember that video, seeing it and being like, what the hell is wrong with HR? <laughs> you know, you guys losing his mind or whatever. But, you know, you just took it. You know, it was HR. You know, and but again, he had a little success, and he had a big falling out with Maverick Records, and then he dropped them. And they had, they were actually on tour with the Beastie Boys and the Deftones that year. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, okay, that, and awesome. and they you know they blew it because of his erratic behavior, basically. And um, they had to take another hiatus. Didn't play for a while, and they came back in '98 under a different name. Okay. HR started talking about how, well, I don't think we want to call us the bad brains anymore because bad is a negative thing. We don't want to have that negative energy. We should call ourselves the soul brains. Now, do you remember they called themselves the soul brains? I remember brains? the soul brains. Yeah, yeah. You don't remember or you do? I do. Yeah, the soul yeah, yeah. So briefly for a few years, like about three years, they were, they were calling themselves oh. the soul brains. But it was the original lineup, yeah. so nobody cared what they were called. Wow. Everybody wanted to go see him. Yeah. It was still the yeah. Bad Brains. Yeah, bad brains. He was still still doing the same song, still jumping around, doing backflips. You know, he had a lot of energy. Uh, I think it was, if I recall, it was during the Soul Brains where where he broke a mic stand over somebody. I think in St. Louis or something like that. Did you, ever, did you ever hear about that? Like he 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 he, he, he broke a mic stand over somebody in the audience. I mean, you know. It got really rowdy. It did. It would. It would. Even in San Francisco when they came back in the 80s, like late 80s. Yeah. They went on tour with Murphy's Law. Right. And a couple bands. They toured with Murphy's Law a few times, right? Yeah, they toured together. You know, I never put it together that, I never realized that Soul Brain was Bad Brain. I didn't even realize that until now that you told me that. Yeah. I thought it was another. I thought it was another band. It was them. It was them doing bad brain songs. It wasn't anything new. They used to call themselves the Soul Brains. I just thought they were a fucking cover band. <laughs> I thought it was a bad brain cover band. <laughs> bad brain cover band. <laughs> well, in a way they were. In a way they were. Um, Jerry just mentioned before. Uh, you know the Beastie Boys were, were tight with the Bad Brains, and the Brains were were anxious to record a new album. Uh, things were kind of looking up, so they got together with Adam from the from the Bad Brains. I'm from uh, Beastie Boys, and they made in 2005 the Build a Nation album, 
And this album's great. I yeah, love, I love this album, album a lot. Uh, it, it was a it was a kind of a return to form with them, uh, going back to like a punk roots kind of thing. Uh, but it had a it had a it had a new sound to it too. It's it's just, it's just a very unique sounding record. Um, Adam was just ecstatic to work with them and produce an album because you know they, he he loved the band so much and they were such good friends. Yeah. You know. So they, when that came out, uh, I remember being excited with that because that was their first new album in like God, it was like 17 years or something. Yeah. They really you know quickness. 88 was the you know well they had rise and they had uh god of love but that was about 10 years actually that they hadn't recorded an yeah. album you know um did you did you see them jerry during that during those tours in in 2005 that adam yauch uh, produced build a nation build a nation build a nation did you listen to them during that no i actually did no i have i i'll be honest with you i didn't yeah it would be a few more years before I they would. I saw them. I saw yeah. them at um, Urban Urban Plaza. I saw them there. Yeah. HR people were complaining that HR was doing nothing but a chance. Oh, that was that was. Remember? Yeah, yeah. That was when he just wasn't. He was standing in front of the stage doing nothing, right? He was playing acoustic guitar. Right, right. He wasn't jumping around. He wasn't jumping around. He just wanted HR. was hanging out. It was me. Me and Tommy Rat from uh, Rejuvenate, by the way. Uh huh. That's your band, Rejuvenate. My band, Rejuvenate. Yep. Um, we could go on to, uh, later on some other time. Yeah, but yeah. Right yeah. now we're talking about Bad Brains, and and I wanted to talk about that. That, that everybody was complaining about. Oh, HR wasn't doing nothing, but that was that was around the they time. They really. They wanted people. I think react people's reaction. They want to see HR do something crazy. All, uh, crazy. But you know, you can't right. do that all the time. Yeah. You know, the man is like, and like he was getting they're getting older anyway. You can't be doing backflips forever. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 2012 they made it. They made an album called Into the Future, another good album. Okay, album. that was that cool album cover with like the Earth with the rings around it oh and, and the Lion of Judah on top. Lion of Judah on top. Yeah. Is, isn't that a great album? I think it is. Man. I think it is. That and Build Build a Nation I like a lot too. Build a Nation was one of my favorite. Yeah. Albums. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, they're talking a lot of spiritual stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. HR really hit the note. Yep. Right on. Yep. Team, man. Yep. They were spreading that Rasta philosophy, oh, right? Man. Right. Definitely. True. Definitely. But Word. like you were saying. The, the shows were changing at that point. Like, they were, you know, HR wasn't doing his antics. And I guess some people were turned off by that. But... What do you want? You know, I mean, look, I mean, if there's, a, there's a documentary out there called Finding Joseph I, okay? Finding Joseph I is about HR. Okay, see this documentary. It came out, like, about two years ago. Uh, he's, a, he's an interesting dude, Okay. Definitely got some problems. I mean, he's been treated for schizophrenia. He's been, you know, treated for what kinds of shit. Uh, he had a recently had brain surgery about a, two years ago. Right. Okay. Uh, because he had something. Uh, it's a condition where you get these really bad headaches. And it's like uh, migraines. Yeah. Well, like migraines that make you want to kill yourself. It's yeah, so bad. Like you know. Migraines. And he was, you know, for a while he was homeless. Okay. But over the last few years, he connected with this wonderful girl named Lori. Uh, they got married, and uh, she takes care of him. And, you know, I've seen him play over the last few years about, like I said, maybe four times in the last three years. And he's got it back. 
you know, he's definitely HR, you know, but he's just mellow now. He does reggae. I like that, you know, you know, you know, everybody, you can't take, you know, a legend and break him up again, you know. I know, I know. Break him up. Nah. Because, you know, like, like about a month ago, I saw HR be on. Oh, was, that the, uh, was that the was that the when uh, Todd Youth died? The Todd Youth passed away. Yeah. He showed up and he was in the back. Yeah. Hanging out and I said, "Hey, Sean, what's up, man?" And he's like, "Jerry." Did he take you out on the street and beat the shit out of you like he did <laughs> no, <laughs> 20, no, 20 no, years no, earlier? No, 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 no. We had a great time together. Yeah, so funny, yeah, man. yeah. We was any of the other guys there? You know, kind of Doctor No was sick. Also, he had a big heart attack. No, I know Doctor. He's no. recovered, but yeah, yeah. Doctor No. You know, him and Doctor No went back and forth. Yeah. Well, HR and everybody went back and forth. Yeah. I know. The only know. one that was always on his side was his brother. His brother. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But um, okay, I'm ready to do the album of the week. What the album of the week? The album of the week is going to be the uh, the raw record from the Bad Brains, the first one. Whoa. Okay, oh reach out records, reach out international records, uh, put this out in 82, and it's just an album that everybody should have. Nothing more heavy, raw, uh, raw for raw, <laughs> but, it, but it, was, it was really like, everybody that had that album, I think, was blown away by it. And it influenced everything from, from the punk bands to even guys like the Beastie Boys that became, you know, the early hip-hop stuff. Yeah. You know, because in the you know here in the city there was that connection with early hip hop and punk. You see, but the Bad Brains in in, in in the New York City hardcore uh, scene. Uh, scene is the Bad Brains. Yeah, I can't believe it because if it wasn't if it wasn't I think for the Bad Brains, I think a lot of a lot of these bands wouldn't exist. Bands wouldn't exist at yeah, all. I I agree. I agree. They wouldn't exist, no. and I hate to tell you that because. Every kid you know walks around the streets and they see an HR shirt or a Bad Brain shirt. They you go, know what it is. They know what it is. You know what that symbol is. They, they know that influence. They, they influence all these right. bands. If it wasn't for, for the Bad Brains, then, 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 then when music was seen... You know, I remember seeing... Out, I, 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 I think in the documentary I mentioned, I think Jimmy Gestapo tells this story, but I, I have the same story. I remember seeing... HR walking down like Second Avenue with a with a with a wooden stick. It was like a carved African <laughs> stick, okay, with a head yeah, on it or something. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And all fancy carved. And I was just like, oh my God, look at HR. You know, it's like, you know, jaw coming down the street. You yeah, know what I mean? It just was like yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, but man. nobody like him, man. Nobody, nobody like, like him like today. Him, man. But get Sorry. the get that album, the the, the first album. With the Capitol building and hit by lightning on the cover. Uh, As a matter of fact, I had that album. Yeah. In yellow vinyl. Yeah. I it was released you, right? in yellow vinyl. I yeah. still had it all these years. It's the only record I have left from the Bad Brains mm-hmm. because I had I have a love for other albums, and and that's because you kept that's, that one though. That, those are my personal ones. Sure. You know? Sure. Sure. But um, I have all that. That's great. <laughs> Um, Welcome to Jerry's house. We got some shows coming up. On yeah, what's coming up? Well, today we got the the second half of that A7 reunion. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. going to this, right? Yeah, yeah I today. can't make it today, yeah, unfortunately. Mike is not coming. Dude. Yeah, man. I wish He's I could make it. it. <laughs> and I'm working, too. so I'm stuck here. Yeah. Maybe some of the guys will but, stop by. Uh, Vinny Stigma is going to be there. 
All right, Definitely that's over stigma. at Niagara today. Free show. Okay. Stigma. Free show. Free show. Come out, stigma. <laughs> Who else is playing? Caught in a trap. That's right. Yeah. Caught in a trap. That's Richie the other Rich. band. Yep. Remember, don't forget, guys. Richie Rich has a tattoo parlor. Yep. He's a great tattoo. He did my works. And uh, where is he, it? Where's the place? Do you want to plug it for him? Uh, well, it's in it's in Queens. Yeah. And uh, out out in Queens, you just take the J train and go out to Queens. I'll get you the address later on. But right now, the most important thing is that we're here talking about the bad brains. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really appreciate. I just want to. I just want to say I really appreciate. This is very important to me. Uh, I know. I know. I, I have a lot of information, but it's all scribble scrabble. I forgot a lot of things, but I wish <laughs> I had the best. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we love you, man. It's, um, it's all good. <laughs> so um. So what else we got coming well, up? Well, the A7 show is today. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Also on the 16th, out at Brooklyn Bowl in Williamsburg, you got Nashville Pussy and Guitar Wolf. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to probably go to this show. Okay, uh, Brooklyn Bowl is like a, 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 a is, is, in, um, is in Williamsburg on, on White Avenue, I think. And uh, it's a bowling alley kind of like an upscale bowling alley in that yeah. neighborhood, you know. But they have a, a stage to the side. And, yeah, you know, I've, I've been have there. Have you been there? Yeah, I've seen a few shows it's there. It's right on the run. It's right around right around the corner is the Brooklyn Lager yeah. Uh, Brewery. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's on the, the north the north side of Williamsburg. Uh, also, we got our, our uh, fellow friend, bartender, Adriana. She's playing uh, on the 10th, which is this Friday over at the Red Room. She's got her cover band called Broken Time Machine. So I just want to give a shout out to her, and uh, I should be there Friday night to check oh, her yeah, band don't out. Forget, don't also, forget um, May 12, uh, May 15, I got the uh, Tommy London birthday okay. badge at right. uh, Ali Grocery. I have four tickets. Whoever want to come, let me know. Mm-hmm. I think you want to go. Jerry, what are you doing May that's 15? Next, that's next, yeah, next, next week, right? Yeah, no, next week. Yeah, so I got one more extra ticket. Love oh, you can come if you want. Yeah. But don't forget, man, the selectors are coming in. And they're September. The only September 11th, they're playing at Gramercy Theater. And I want to let you all Pauline know. Pauline Black. I know Pauline. She's a beautiful people. The only woman is still looking hot, man. I, she looks I, good. She, she looks, looks good. hot for her age. They had her in the punk thing on Epics. Uh, they, they should. <laughs> I think there's a few, Jerry. I think there's a few, but she's definitely no, okay. but she's my De- favorite. Deborah okay. Harris. Out of all bands. Deborah Harris De- 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 still looks good. <laughs> so, Mike, I'm going to bring this up right now. So next week I want to do a, a, a uh, rock show, but I want to do one on the women of punk. Oh, that's easy. Okay. What do you think? Oh, my God. you think we can make that happen? United Blood. I can make X. Oh my God! They have uh, a lot of bands. X, um, Slit, Wendy the Slits, O'Neal. Wendy O'Williams, Wendy O'Williams, yeah. uh, Debbie yeah. Harry, the Slits. Yep. 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 Let's yep. Break it down. Definitely X-ray specs, which is you know it. That album, uh, Germ-Free Adolescence. No, it's okay. You think one show will cover the women of punk? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you. you Throw Patty Smith in there too, I guess. Oh I mean, God. that's you know, that's a that's a big topic, man. We could do that. Might be two parts. Might be two parts. I'll but see I how think, it goes. I think just throw me some name. I look up some name and it's a lot of bands. We get together. Gay, gay advert. Let's yeah. see right? if we uh, right? maybe we'll get another special guest that know about women women and punk. Yeah. And we'll do you it. You know show. something? Women and punk 
happens to be one of my favorites. Because I remember when I was in high school, I was in the middle of Exit Street, right? And I was I was a punk rock kid. I had my hair spiked up and grew, you know, and uh, I took soap, like ivory soap, and I used yeah. to spike my hair and go to high school. My mom would never know because I was in the bathroom all that time, <laughs> hiding. And then I ran out the Bad, door before and she could see before it. she could see me. And I had a raincoat on. I saw a punk rock girl from England. I crossed the street. So I ran over there and I said, hey, you a punk rocker? She said, yeah, I'm a punk rocker from England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in those days, it was dangerous. So when you found a, a, a friend that was into it, you know, it was, it was cool. She's looking like, looking like my twin. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> That's very scary. <laughs> the only thing, her eyebrows were blue. All right. And he had no blue so, eyebrows. Song of the week. Song of the week. Oh my God. We already oh, have the one. The one. I'm gonna, no. The Song one. of the week is going to be I and I Survive. I, I and I Survive by the Bad Brains. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I mean, HR still does that song today. Everybody loves it. It's a beautiful uh, it's song. It's a beautiful he song. The lyrics are great. A lot of emotion in that song. I, that song always lifts me up. You know? Wow. Yeah. So well, definitely. They, you know, like I said, if HR is listening, you know, I said I want to send all my love to him. He might there. be. He might be. And all uh, child love, you know, yeah. Sabbath day to us, you know, one yep. love. Cool. So Jerry, thank you for being on the oh, show. Thank you, Ron. Thank we'll you, probably Ron. bring Jerry on once in a while for special shows to yeah. talk and. Um, oh yeah. We also yeah. got Fail that comes around once in a while. Fail. Um, my name is Rob Rossi. This is Rocker Mike. Remember, there's one thing we do better than anybody else. We don't get drunk. We, we get, get lumped up. up.